there's a part of me that has a hard time understanding why people make the choice to have kids consciously. Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I will be speaking with Mary Benbenick, and we connected about a few months back and I really enjoyed getting to know you, Mary. Thank you for being on the podcast. And would you start by telling us all a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It has been wonderful to get to know you as well. I am a 30-year-old cisgender woman. I grew up in Wisconsin but live in Minnesota. I used to be a mechanical engineer and was a mechanical engineer for six years of my life and then had like a massive personal growth journey slash awakening process where I ended up quitting my mechanical engineering job and then deciding to pursue a potential career as a sex, love, and relationship coach. So I am still working on getting that certification. Um, But in February, I started my own business to be the sex, love, and relationship coach. I am also a, I think, self-proclaimed personal growth junkie. Like I am (laughs) pretty obsessed with focusing on personal growth, which works really well and goes quite hand in hand with being a life coach. Yeah. That is also how I spend a lot of my personal time. (laughs) I love that. I'm super curious. Do you have any favorite resources in that area? I have so many resources, even before kind of going on this like massive personal growth awakening journey that started It actually kind of lined up with the start of the pandemic, not because of the pandemic, but just kind of happened to align with the start of it. So Mm -hmm. like one of my favorites is the Enneagram. That one's been hugely transformative and really powerful for me to just learn about myself. Um, And then one of the things that I've loved recently and getting like I've been really getting into recently is called human design. Mm, yes. So one of the things that makes it different from the Enneagram. So the Enneagram is a system of like nine numbers. And then you essentially read through the information about the numbers and then you self-identify as a number. And so you pick the number that you feel like resonates the most with you, which I really love because it's not somebody just putting you into a random box that you may or may not identify with. Right. Human design, on the other hand, is actually based on like your birth date and your birth time and your birthplace. And then you input all of that information and it spits out this chart and tells you like, this is your personality type and these are the things that you're here to do. Um, And I don't necessarily believe in like all of the science, uh, science quote unquote of it, (laughs) but I love the like practical applications and like learning about the personality types because I feel like I really deeply identify as the type that I am said that I am. And so it's really... It's been really cool to be able to learn about myself in that way too, and to just have like more language to understand my own experience, but then also to like have a better appreciation for 
other people and their own experiences too. So. Yeah, that's really powerful. It's so cool because you're trained as a coach. You have this personal growth interest, which has led you to read about and learn about these other kind of modalities for understanding ourselves. And so it's like you, you're just expanding your toolkit as a coach in ways that you mm-hmm. can help people self-identify or understand themselves better. So yeah. cool. Thank you. And it's yeah. just, it's just, it's so fun for me. It's, it's so interesting to me to just, yeah, have better language to even understand myself. Because one of the things that I've really realized through this journey of personal growth is that like for so much of my life, I was super disconnected from who I really am. Mm. And I spent a lot of my life, like as a people pleaser and trying to make people like me and looking for validation and like doing things that I thought would make me more lovable or more worthy or like keep people in my life. And so I feel like some of these tools even really help to give me language and to give me kind of like a frame of reference for how to really understand myself in like a deeper way that I may not have identified with kind of to this point. So it's really like empowering and cool, actually. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Thinking about your story and the fact that you spent six years in mechanical engineering and you know, now you're at this place of you've completely shifted gears in terms of going into coaching. Your passion really is self-growth and personal development. I guess I'm curious, was leaving mechanical engineering a part of this awakening of your authentic self or was it not that closely connected? That's a great question. So I actually read Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. Uh huh. In like June of 2020. And through reading that, just realized that the life that I had built around me as a mechanical engineer was this really tiny comfort zone box that I was living in. And then I had realized I couldn't keep growing and learning and trying to be like a better version of myself if I stayed in this box. And One of the things too, that kind of even drew me towards this particular type of coaching was that I'm a super open book and I will tell anybody just about anything about my life. If like, I know that they're receptive to it. Yeah. Um, And one of the things that I realized was even me as open as I am and as like comfortable as I am about talking about so many different things, even I feel uncomfortable talking about sex in particular And so when I found this coaching, it was really interesting to be like, if I even have a hard time talking about it, even with my close people, how powerful would it be to just be able to kind of explore and be able to have these conversations. And at this point, like my coaching isn't super centered on sex, just because I am still working through kind of a lot of my own issues and kind of barriers to like being sexually super healthy and excited. But I have really loved kind of diving into this coaching program. And I feel like it has just made me realize, and even kind of back when I was reading Untamed, realized I was like, I am made for so much more than just sitting at this stupid desk and like doing engineering things all day. Like I am made for so much more than this. Why am I sitting here doing these things that feel so disconnected? And I didn't even realize until I quit my job, I 
read Untamed in around June 2020, then signed up for the program in August. Then the coaching program started in January 2021. And then I actually didn't quit my job until July 2021. But yeah, I had, there had been an experience where I'd actually like moved out of state for work for six months at the beginning of last year and knew that I wanted to do that. And that was great. But then when I came back to Minnesota, it really just hit me like, I can't keep doing this. And I had been a part of a meeting and after the meeting, like literally just walked outside and got out of sight of the building and then just sat on the curb and started crying and was like, Mm. I can't. Like, I can't, I need to be done. One one of the things that was really interesting is after I quit my job, I decided to take just time off and like at least three months, if not longer, I had a fair amount of savings that I was able to like not work for that time, which was really wonderful. And I didn't even realize like how stressed and miserable I was at my job until I had multiple months off to decompress and be like, oh my goodness, what is it to be a real human in the world? So I think that it has been definitely a part of reclaiming my identity and like reclaiming a part of who I am and also kind of removing a barrier to getting deeper and settling deeper into myself because it feels crazy to notice this and say this now, but like I was at my job for six years. Almost everybody at my company like got along with me really well. Most people liked me. My manager really loved working with me, like had almost no negative things to say about me, even in performance reviews. And even when I asked, he was always like, you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. There was a part of me that was always terrified that I was going to get fired or that like, it was like one mistake away from potentially losing my job. And it, is super interesting to notice now, like how much my nervous system was just in constant stress all the time and constant fear. And that's a huge barrier to being really deeply grounded and feeling good about who you are and being able to show up in the world authentically when you're constantly afraid that one mistake is going to ruin everything. Right. So yeah. So it's been an interesting journey for sure. <laughs> You know, if anyone's listening to this and sort of identifying with any pieces of your story there, looking back, is there any advice you would have had for that, that version of you that was scared of being fired? Um, What would it be? What an interesting question. I think for me, the thing that I've learned a lot recently, and actually this is something that I've learned through coaching is that we all have like these little pieces inside of us, different voices in our heads that want different things. And so the voice that is terrified that you're going to get fired is at its very root scared and wants security and like wants to know that you're going to be safe. Mm. And even though that voice also then normally shows up as like super perfectionistic and super judgmental and like can make you feel really terrible about yourself and can make you feel really insecure and can make you feel really stressed. I think even just knowing and having a better understanding of how to have a conversation with that piece and being able to have potentially a boundary with that piece and saying like, okay, fear slash perfectionist, like I see you, I see how in some ways you really show up for me and you really like make me do really good work. And also you are in some ways killing me. This isn't okay. And I love you and I respect you and I will do everything in my power to make sure that 
even outside of this job. If something happens, I'll try and have connections at other companies. I'll try and look at job postings or essentially what can I do to create a safety net around myself so that even if I do get fired, I guess kind of knowing that I have other options and then also doing the work to like reassure yourself. So I think it's kind of both the balance of like, honoring that part of you that's scared and a perfectionist and trying to give it what it needs. And then also trying to take a step back and like owning, owning the more empowered parts of you too. And saying like, no, like I do really great work. It's okay for me to have a little bit of distance here and not let that fear perfectionist voice take over so loudly. Yeah. So it sounds like instead of surrendering to that voice, having compassion for it, exploring maybe what the deeper need underneath it is, as well as looking for what's not true mm-hmm. from that voice and mm-hmm. reaffirming your strengths and your abilities. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for summarizing that so succinctly. That was really well done. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. My pleasure. But also I loved everything you said and how you described it so well, super powerful. So thank you for sharing all of that. So one other thing that I know about you is that you are also child-free by choice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm wondering how did you come to know that you didn't want to have kids? Yeah. It's actually kind of an interesting story. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not that interesting. I think it's interesting. I have actually always known that I don't want to have kids. So I have three older, much older half siblings. Two of them are sisters. So, or two of them are my sisters. The oldest is much older than I am. She's in her, I think, mid to upper forties now. And I'm 30. Okay. So I think she's yeah. about 15 years older than I am. She actually got pregnant when she was still in high school. She got married and then had her first kid as she was like 18 years old. So I have a nephew that is two years younger than I am. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that is like one piece of my family history. And then my, the closer sister in age to me, she's 11 years older than I am, but she actually also is child-free by choice. And she got her tube said when she was 25. So she has oh, cool. also known that she, yeah, that she never wanted to have kids. So it was interesting to grow up in the family that I grew up in because as I was growing up, um, I also have another sibling and my mom's side of the family. And then my half siblings, dad, they're both of them have had problems with addiction in their families. And so that was also something that showed up in my other sibling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as I was growing up, my mom always had said, like, don't end up like your sister who has kids and don't end up like your brother who essentially is an addict. And in some ways, like those things kind of became almost similar to me that it was like, both of those things are bad things. You don't want this. Um, Mm. And my mom never said like, don't have kids. She was always, I guess, supportive of whatever I wanted to do, but I think the messages that I got from a really young age were like having kids is a really big deal and it's not necessarily a fun thing to have happen. And it can do really wonderful things for your life, but it's also like a huge, huge thing that like can be really difficult financially and can be really difficult. Like if you weren't mature enough and 
the other experience that I also really distinctly remember was going to visit my sister as a like younger kid. She lived actually here in Minnesota at the time. And so we didn't see them super often, but when I would go visit my nephew, who again is only two years younger than me, he would like climb on top of me and want all of the like love and affection from me. I, I have like no personal space boundaries. Like I love when people sit right next to me. I'm okay with people touching me, but I cannot stand when kids are on me. Like I can't, yeah, can't stand it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I think kind of those pieces of my childhood just really ingrained it in me from a really young age. So kids are not fun. This is not a good thing. Nope, don't want this. And even as an adult, as somebody that went to went to engineering school, like obviously I've been a fairly logical person for most of my life. And so just as I've grown up, I've come up with reason after reason after reason why I don't want kids. And I think all of those reasons are valid. But then even in the last couple of years, I've really just settled into the more of the emotional, like, but also in my heart of hearts, like, it's just not something I want. Yeah. I really just don't want this. So. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot. I think, you know, my journey is much different and I Mm -hmm. came to this decision or for me, it was a decision like Mm -hmm. a year ago, but then. I say that I say that it was a decision, but then I realize sort of in retrospect that really it was just an honoring of who I am. Personally, I I was almost justifying it with all these reasons Mm -hmm. of why it's not right Mm -hmm. for me. But really at the end of the day, it's just that I don't want to have kids. Mm -hmm. I, that's it. It's that simple. I just don't feel like I am meant for that role in this life. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. Also that it seems like you almost had the opposite messaging within your family of what society sort of broadcasts, which is parenthood is wonderful. Grow up, have kids, start a family. And and you maybe had more of a realistic message. Like it's a big responsibility. You need to be ready. You need to be mature, think through the different aspects. I think that is cool that that was a part of your messaging from Mm your mom growing up. Mm -hmm. So how has this, how has being child-free impacted your life? Are there any big things that stand out or little things? Yeah. So one of the things actually that's been really great is like, I don't, I'm pretty open about my choice and like, I'm not necessarily on social media, like explaining it and like making a big deal out of it because that just hasn't been the way that I've been or moved through the world, but I'm really open with all of the people that are in my life. It's something that I feel like comes up pretty early for me when I just talk to people. I feel like I've had very little like pushback on it. I have had some, I have had some pushback at my engineering job. Actually, there was somebody in particular who one day in the break room said, oh, you're going to regret it and you're going to change your mind. And then like a week later came up to me again in the break room and was like, oh, me and my wife, we were at the gym and we ran into a couple that was older. And they said that they wish that they had had kids because they're getting older and they don't have anybody to take care of them. And I was like, cool. Also not going to be me. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. Not gonna be my life. Yeah. But otherwise, like I've been really lucky. Most people have been really supportive. Like you mentioned my mom being really realistic about 
like how much work it is to raise kids. I think she also just knew that I didn't want to have kids from a fairly young age. She's even one that says, oh, when you were little, you didn't play with dolls. You only played with like Barbies and stuffed animals. So, like I was, I've never been interested in babies. I never even liked babysitting. I think having my older sister not want kids too makes that in some ways easier because she was the first one. Um, I, yeah. But my mom had already had, you know, she, she was already a grandma. So she already like had grandkids. And so I think that that makes it a little bit easier, but I think it's just given me, especially in this season and like this huge transition of quitting my job and not knowing exactly what comes next and not knowing what this coaching business is going to look like. Um, even, you know, in a year from now, I think it, I think one of the biggest things is that it just gives me so much freedom, mm. like, And as somebody, and I have been listening to some of the other episodes of your podcast in preparation for this and just kind of thinking about like my life and my lifestyle and yeah, and all of like the development work that I'm doing lately, a lot of it lately is just noticing, getting curious about patterns and trying to, I guess, kind of see how I'm showing up and then getting curious about ways to show up differently. But since I love growth and learning and like also really deeply connecting with people one-on-one and that's what I like to spend a lot of my free time doing, I wouldn't have those opportunities. If I had a kid, like I wouldn't have as much time to like meditate and do what I want and just move through the world in a way that feels fun to me or make plans for the moment. I would have none of that freedom. And I also think that as somebody who is a recovering perfectionist, like it takes a lot of work to not fall back into that. And it takes a lot of work to also go with the flow and like be more open and more relaxed, which I love doing. And I'm super grateful that I'm doing and I'm much happier now. But I also know that if I had a kid in order to be like the quote unquote good parent, I would be like, cool, I need to have all the meals planned. I need to have all the laundry done. I need to be on top of everything. I don't think there's any way that I could be like, I personally could be like mentally healthy and well and like taking care of myself while then also still making sure that my child's needs were met. And I also wouldn't be able to do like any of the things that I really deeply love doing. So I think it's, yeah, mostly just like the freedom and the flexibility and the like, cool, I'm going to stay up late and then I'm going to sleep in on a Saturday or like, cool, I'm going to get up on Saturday and then I'm going to go for like a two hour hike by myself and not have to worry about anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As you were describing how likely it would be to fall back into perfectionistic tendencies to try Mm -hmm. and be the best mom possible or the best parent possible, like it kind of made me think to your example of, or your experience being a mechanical engineer and your nervous system being like unregulated, it seems like a recipe for that to happen again. Yeah. And I feel like that would be my scenario too. I would Mm -hmm. become completely unregulated and stressed and anxious more. So I'm already anxious. That's just something I live with, but like (laughs) more so. Yeah. (laughs) And you highlighting the freedom this Saturday, this past Saturday, I hosted a virtual meetup with some other child-free people. And it was so fun. We talked about our relationship to the word child-free and, and I think every woman was talking about the free in it and the freedom Mm -hmm. that comes with it. And even like the ability to just take naps and how 
the gratitude for that doesn't go away. It's <laughs> such a highlight. <laughs> yeah. Or to sleep in or to just do whatever. I love that you hit on all that. It's also been really helpful too, even with, I have a friend that's a mom who is also in the coaching program. And when I kind of talked about my transition out of engineering and into coaching, even she had said, I am astounded that you quit your job without having another job lined up and you just like lived off of savings. And for a really long time, I didn't necessarily have a plan of when I was going to go back to work or what I was going to do for work. And so even just the ability to know that financially, I have so much more freedom to make decisions that feel good to me. Like I'm in a job that doesn't feel good to me. And I know that I can live relatively like frugally and support myself. I don't have to worry about paying for things for my kids or like having kind of that extra burden of financially supporting a child. And that also just allows me to move through the world with more authenticity and flexibility and freedom and being like, cool, or I'm going to go on a vacation and blow a couple thousand dollars and not have to be like, oh, shoot, I needed that for my kid's tuition or whatever. Right. So, yeah. And I love what you said there about being being able to continue being your authentic self and able to keep exploring that and see how it evolves. And yeah, what brings meaning and purpose to your life? Yeah. So uh, I think that's honestly a question that I don't know that I have an answer to yet. And so I think that's something that I'm still kind of landing into. It's been actually really interesting to learn about human design in that respect, because they talk about what the different types are here to do just on the planet. And then also like with your specific, you have like two numbers that essentially are combined to create your profile. Mm. And so there's essentially theory about like, oh, if you're this profile, this is what you're here to do. And my main type is a generator. So generators are the ones that bring energy to the world. And like, we are the like doers and the movers. And when we are doing things that, that are like, I guess, inauthentic alignment for us, like we just bring joy to the world. So one of those things for me is like really trying to tap into that joy and like letting myself just really be a happy person, but from a place of authenticity, instead of like that fake happy all the time. And really allowing myself like the freedom to say like, cool, the thing that'll make me happy today is drinking a glass of wine and watching a rom-com and working on my cross-stitch project. And that's what brings me joy today. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. And like allowing myself to do that as an adult and not being like, oh, you should be more productive or like you should be doing something different. Um, right. But then the other interesting thing with my profile is that one of the numbers of my profile essentially is the... The meaning is that like, I will just make all of the mistakes and I want to try all of the things to like, figure out what my truth is. And then the other part of my number also talks about actually like sharing those experiences, sharing the things that are my truth and just like kind of bringing that out into the world and like letting people kind of witness what that is. And so it's an interesting thing to view a purpose from that lens, because then it's like, well, maybe my purpose is literally to just live my life and like continue growing and learning and trying all of these things. And then like doing what I can to share that with the people that are in my life. Um, and may maybe that's the reason I'm here, which feels like a weird purpose to me. It's like, that seems really simple and not all that meaningful, but it's also actually really cool. So I think that's beautiful. I mean, I'm someone who really values connection and mm -hmm. authenticity. And I think that your purpose in continuously learning and exploring who you authentically are and then sharing that with those around you, 
I think that's beautiful. (laughs) I think like that to me is like somewhere at the heart of living a a connected, meaningful life as a human. Thank you. Mm, That feels really beautiful to receive. Also, the other thing that I really love is also connecting with people. Like I have very distinct memories of going over to a friend's house and like watching TV and just talking for the evening and then just staying there way past my bedtime when I worked an actual nine to five job and yeah. <laughs> like just talking for hours and then walking to my car and feeling just so lit up and so alive and being like, oh my goodness, this is what I am here for. Like my soul is on fire and I am just so lit up and happy right now. And I love having those deeper one-on-one connections with people and like having those deep conversations and really like learning and growing and talking about really complex issues and even just like not complex issues, real life things. Um, It's just so satisfying to me and it just feels so good. And also teaching for me, like there have been a couple of times where I've trained when I was working at my old company and I would like teach people how to use a particular software or like teach people about a particular thing or like how to read a drawing or whatever. And it is so fun for me to try to take the information in my head and like make it digestible for other people and then share it with them and then have them understand it and be like, oh yeah, no, that was great. I actually get it now. And I wouldn't have understood it before. And it just feels so satisfying to be like, cool, I solved this puzzle and like was helpful and got to interact with somebody. And that feels also super meaningful. Mm, That's really cool. Yeah. Something we talked about previously was your experience dating as a child-free woman. And I Mm -hmm. was curious if you'd speak to that at all today. Oh, I would love to. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So because I've always known that I don't want kids and I've known, like I've known, known this is true for me. In some ways it's been pretty easy. It's something that I just bring up with people in like my first interaction with them or actually like have written in my dating profile, like I am not having children. If you want kids, we will not be a match. That's it. End of story. So it's something, yeah, that's been really easy for me to talk about with people and has been overall like, okay. Um, I've had a couple of relationships where I have been really upfront with people and while we've been together, they, like the partners that I've had have started to change their minds or kind of revert back to a desire to have kids. Somebody that I dated for like two and a half years, we dated long distance for a while, moved in together and lived together for a long time. And then his friends started having kids and his Mm -hmm. cousin started, had their first kid And so then I think he kind of saw babies and saw kids in his life and was like, hmm. So for me, it's always been like, okay, well, I understand that we have this relationship and I'm not necessarily going to just walk away because you're a little uncertain. Like I'm willing to sit here with you in this time of like uncertainty and discovery for you. Um, and so with that partner, I had said, well, like, if you want to hang out and volunteer with kids, or if you want to do like big brother, big sister, or if you want to just like make a priority, like go hang out with your like friends or your family's kids more, like I'm super about that. 
feel free to like use your time to do those things. And I was like, maybe we just spend like the next six months or the next year, like having you engage in those things. And then towards the end of that year, like using that kind of information to decide like, okay, am I happy with having kids in my life, but not having my own, or am I still feeling like there's something missing? Um, so that was kind of the approach with that partner. And a couple months into that, he and I were having a conversation and he made the comment, like when I have kids and I was like, cool, (laughs) you know, now we're two months in, but then we're just done, which is okay. Yeah. Um, so that was how that relationship ended. And then I also had another relationship that actually, happened like the nine months before the pandemic. So this person and I dated, he was a little bit older. He was 36 at the time of us dating. So he was kind of at this point where like wondering, you know, like is even having kids still realistic for me if depending on the people that I'm dating and he and I had told him on our first date too, like, I don't want to have kids. And he had said, he had thought it over um, and we'd been dating a couple of months. And then on like one holiday weekend, we were hanging out and he said, you know, like, I've really thought about it and I feel really okay with not having kids. And that feels really good to me. And then a few months later, he had texted me a picture of him, like holding his goddaughter. And I was like, oh no, oh no we need to have this conversation again. So I brought it up the next time I saw him and I was like, Hey, are you sure you don't want kids? And he was like, well, actually, um, I might want them. So then I did kind of a similar thing, but, um, this partner was like, I think I'm going to go to therapy and just Mm. talk it out with the therapist. So he spent, I think, two months like actively going to therapy and talking about it with his therapist and then at the end of kind of that two months his therapist had said okay like you've talked out as many kind of situations and things as you can like there's nothing more for us to talk about like you just need to decide now and so the therapist had suggested like give yourself an allotted amount of time and just know at that end of time like at the end of that allotment you're going to make your decision either way And so this is at the beginning of January, 2020. And then, so February of 2020, the month before the pandemic, um, he had decided that he did actually want to have kids. And so we ended up breaking up. Um, It was a little bit tough with that second partner, just because there was a part of me that's like, he's going to just know after a therapy session, like he's just going to know it in his gut because I just know things in my gut. And so I'm like, he's just going to know. And that wasn't what happened for him. And so I was always a little on edge because there was a part of me that was like, has he decided, Mm -hmm. is he going to break up with me essentially after like every therapy session? Yeah. Um, So that was a little bit tough, but Otherwise, like it's always been pretty easy for me to hold space for people to figure out kind of their own process. And one of the huge blessings, I think, being somebody that is child-free is knowing that since I don't want to have kids, I have more freedom and flexibility with my time. And they don't have, like, I know that women can have children late into their thirties. And I also know that that's not necessarily easy or like always healthy for women. And so 
the really beautiful thing though, is because I know that I don't want to have kids. Like I don't feel any of that biological pressure at all whatsoever in terms of finding a partner by a certain date. And so for me, it's always been pretty easy to say like, okay, well, I'll just date who I date. And then if we, you know, date for two and a half years, or if we date for nine months, and then you decide at the end of it that you want to have kids, then like, unfortunately, you know, our relationship is over, but that doesn't change the fact that we hopefully still had a really beautiful relationship and got to spend really wonderful time together. And both of those partners now are engaged to people who do want to have kids or already have kids. So, oh, wow. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really incredible and generous of you to hold that space for them and sort of be like, Hey, I get it. Figure You can figure this out. I'm not going to leave but you know, you still hold your line. Like, yeah, kids are off the table. And when you figure it out one way or the other, you know, we can proceed from there. I think there's a part of that generosity that is also a little unhealthy in terms of like, I don't want to be abandoned either. And like, I don't want to just be constantly alone. So yeah, some of that generosity has just stemmed from like the fear of losing a relationship or Mm. kind of that subconscious fear of like always being alone. But I also do feel like there have been a lot of other times in relationships where I've been just as generous and wherever that comes from, like, I do think that it has been a really good thing for me. And I think it's been a good thing for my partners to just like still have that care and support from somebody as they're making this really tough decision, because it can be a really tough thing to figure out and talk about, especially when you're in a relationship with somebody that you really care about to know that like, oh, well, they might break up with me or our relationship might end. And so it feels like a really, still like a really beautiful thing to say like, no, I'm here for you. And kind of like you're mentioning, like, I'll still support you and still show up in this relationship as we navigate this, even at the end of this, if that means we're still not to, like, we're not going to be together anymore. So hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, with that, either related to that or any other aspect of being child-free, do you have any advice or any encouragement for our listeners? Yeah. So I think this kind of ties to being a perfectionist and some of the journey that I've been on for so much of my life. I spent so much time and energy having a clean house, having all of my food perfectly prepped, being the right way and like not too loud or like not too obnoxious or like silly, but not too silly and not ever being angry and being very go with the flow and just trying to be like somebody that's quote unquote likable or like be the person that people like want me to be. And I think the thing that I've really learned and it's taken two years of learning. So this doesn't happen overnight. But I think the thing that I've really learned and like really finally settled into is just kind of this really deep trust in the universe that like, it's going to be okay. And there are going to be people who are going to like me. And so I think the advice that I would have for people is to just really like authentically be who you are. And then the people that are meant to find you will find you and they will be thrilled beyond everything at just your existence. (laughs) I think the more you allow yourself to be authentically yourself, the more you find your people. And it is a really beautiful thing. And especially as people pleasers or, you know, being trained to sort of be selfless or whatever the conditioning, it can be really uncomfortable to show up as yourself. If you have those other conditionings, like kind of running your programming Mm -hmm. and 
once you work through them or find ways, because I don't know that I'll ever work through some of my people pleasing, but I have ways now to manage it or be aware of it and, and can sort of step out of it. I just think that it, it is just amazing to show up as yourself and find the people who just get you and want to be just want you as you are, or like accept you as you are. And mm-hmm. it is one of the best experiences. Yeah. And it's so powerful too for other people, even the people that aren't your people. And even because unfortunately, one of the things that can happen as you're on this journey is that like you lose the people that aren't your people. And that can be really, really tough by choice or not by choice. And it can be really difficult and like hard to navigate the grief and the loss that comes with like really owning your authentic self and even really owning how you feel about people that have been in your life for a really long time and having to maybe have some of those conversations that are hard and say like, cool, I'm just going to like start pulling back from this person a little bit or like kind of understanding even the bounds of certain relationships that also gives other people the permission to be who they are too when they're ready to do it because then they hopefully can look back on kind of the situation that happened with a little bit of wisdom and distance and say like, oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, I didn't feel all that seen or like appreciated fully in this relationship either. And I also want better for me. And like, they were willing to be themselves and really be authentic and show up in the world. What if, what if I did that too? What would my relationships be like too? Or like, what would my life be like if I also showed up that way? So I think it's a really beautiful thing too, because yeah, you're essentially giving other people permission to do the same when they're ready to do it. Mm, Yeah. I think I love that you brought up that there will be relationships that may be distance or end as a result of you showing up more authentically yourself. And it's important to grieve them and to process that and also celebrate yourself for showing up the way you are and the opportunity that hopefully they will also. And like you said, find better friendships or connections for themselves as well. Mm. And I can see that in my own experience being child-free, there are some people in my life who don't accept this necessarily. Mm. And it has just, it's something we just don't talk about. You know, it doesn't stop me from showing up and doing this podcast or doing Instagram reels and whatnot, but there's maybe a level of depth that that relationship will just never get to. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. And I even feel that way about some of my, like one of my closest friends has become a mom in the last year and her, and then also another one of my closest friends are both pregnant now as somebody that's child-free, for me, I also don't actually love kids all that much. Like I will tolerate them. Yeah. I will be around them if they're my (laughs) friend's kids or like if they're valuable people in my life, like I I will hang out with them, but I will never choose to hang out with a kid by choice ever. Like it just won't (laughs) happen. Um, And so I think it's difficult too in that sense. And like, just kind of from my perspective, like with how much hard work it is to be a mom, there's a part of me that's like, I don't even know why people choose to be moms and do all of this work. Like 
it's so much work. Do you not realize how much work it is? Like, this is so much work. Um, so there's a part of me that <laughs> is a little bit like, huh, friends, you want kids? Really? You, you actually want kids? Huh. Okay. Um, like, I'm not going to tell you don't do it, but also I think there's a part of me that like has a hard time understanding why people make the choice to have kids consciously. And so I think for me too, like there is a shift in those relationships when they become a parent, partly because obviously they're a parent and they have less free time. But I think there's also a little bit of the like, all right, well now our lives are just super different. And like, Mm we are now moving through the world with like very different priorities and like very different needs. And not that that means that we can't be friends because like one of my closest friends, the friend who had a baby within the last year, like I probably once a month drive an hour to her house one way and just like spend the day with her while her son crawls around on the ground and like hangs out. And then I come home and that's like the way that I get to hang out with her and connect with her. And it's really wonderful. And I'm really grateful that her and I still get to connect because she's also super driven and like very about personal growth, but it has been difficult to kind of know how to really show up fully in those friendships with people who are parents, because it's like, everything is just different. And also it's not, but it feels different. And so it is kind of a tough thing to navigate too. And I think kind of like you were mentioning the depth of the relationship might change just because you both have different priorities now. Right. It's really cool how you and that friend have found a way that works for you both to spend time together. I think that that is cool that it works for you and that you guys are able to still like keep that friendship alive. Yeah. And it's really interesting to, I don't know, it's interesting to also be an adult and then navigate friendships differently. Like I, her and I never text, we never call and we see each other like once a month. So we have like one day, once a month. And it's so weird because it's like, you're still one of like my closest friends and I love you so much. And it's so weird that like, I think there's expectations, especially maybe as a child-free person that like you might be seeing people more or like you just have different expectations in relationships. And so it's also a different and interesting thing to navigate as an adult. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Well, Mary, it has been an absolute joy speaking with you today. Thank you for sharing everything that you've shared and for taking the time to be on the podcast. If listeners would like to connect with you, how can they get in touch? So they can find me on my personal Instagram, which is just my name, Mary Ben Benick. Otherwise you can find me on my coaching Instagram, Merrily Mary Jean. Um, yeah. So that would be a great place for people to reach out to me. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and letting me talk your ear off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll catch you next time. Hey, don't go yet. I have something really exciting to share with you. I created a community for child-free people. That's right, a place for us all to hang out, get to know each other, and become friends. So if you could use some more child-free friends in your life, please come hang out with us. It's like we have our own private social media network. Inside the club, we have weekly virtual meetups via Zoom. We have a community feed with ongoing posts and discussions so we can continue our friendship outside of our virtual meetups. And down the road, 
we're going to have in-person meetups and take these relationships offline and in-person. So if you want in, head to wnk-club.com. That's wnk, as in we're not kidding, dash c-l-u-b dot com. I can't wait to see you in the club.